Welcome to the Perfectly Integrated Podcast, hosted by Matt Ackerman, where we show the power of teamwork in wealth management. Now, onto the show. Evolution. The financial advice industry is constantly changing, but there's one constant, change. How can financial advisors continue to soar when so much is constantly changing around them, from technology to regulation? Change is here. Change is hard, and change feels even more difficult when you're trying to do a lot of things alone. I'm so excited today to chat with two esteemed guests. One is my favorite regular here on Perfectly Integrated, Rob Sandrew, and the other is quickly becoming one of my favorite financial advisors here at Integrated Partners, and that's David Klein. I've had the opportunity to work with David and his team for the past seven or eight months, and they're always willing to play guinea pig on any crazy new idea I may be thinking about. So David, Rob, you're both Red Sox fans, and we're not going to hold that against you today. As we're recording this, the Red Sox are still in the playoffs. Hopefully, when you're listening to this, they, my, my friends and fans here on this are celebrating, but we'll, we'll see what happens from there. <laughs> Guys, welcome. Good morning. Good morning, my friend. David, I want to start with you. We're talking change today. For an advisor, why is change sometimes scary? A lot of people resist change just because of the unknown, right? What will happen to my income? What will happen to my work-life balance? And how will my clients and peers and family view this change? And of course, this becomes harder the older we get. And it's hard to keep up with everything, as you said. And change is coming at us from so many places and seemingly at a faster pace these days. I was fortunate to be taught something about change years ago that was make your mistakes while moving. Make your mistakes while moving. That's that's really great advice. And sometimes change and everything around you and it's moving can be paralyzing. Sometimes, you know, Rob, you talk to advisors all the time. What keeps them from making a change? First and foremost, people tend to have an aversion of change, right? I mean, I think change is, is scary. The unknown is scary. And I think what's happening is there's a fear of the unknown, right? So it's, it's one in which I think there's a great deal of education that needs to be put forth in, in terms of having an advisor understand what exactly that change would mean and how ultimately they're going to benefit from it. Obviously, you need to revert back to, okay, help me understand why we're even having this conversation. Clearly, there's some level of catalyst here in order for that dialogue to be happening from the get-go. So we need to better understand what are those motivations? What are those drivers? And then from there, really dig in to better understand what is that catalyst for the potential change and how can we essentially better paint the picture of what life would look like from where they are to coming over to the independent side. Independence is uh, such an interesting part of that change and that journey. Now, David, talk to me about your journey a bit. You were with Fidelity for eight years before joining Integrated. What was the environment like out there as you kind of began to think about independence and making a shift in your trajectory? I left Fidelity eight years ago with a mortgage and two kids, which was a uh, you know, scary and, and also exciting time. I just sensed that my clients wanted more. They wanted a fiduciary who could coordinate with their other advisors, like a CPA and an attorney. But I was a W-2 employee doing what my employer wanted. Now I enjoy being a fiduciary, doing what's right for our clients, and just love running a business and having that independence and, and flexibility. Rob, you are always out there kind of with your eye on the horizon. Is that what you see with advisors considering making a change is 
is there a moment of that kind of that that leap of faith? Maybe they have the mortgage and two kids. Maybe they're a W-2 employee and they've got to make some mistakes while they're moving. Yeah, certainly I see it out there. I think David's move was quite courageous. I mean, because especially Fidelity, some of these other firms are very restrictive in terms of the ability to move clients. And and if I'm not mistaken, David, you pretty much started from scratch and kind of moved, built a business from the ground up yet again. And that's incredibly courageous. And a lot of people, like I said, there's an aversion of change and risk. And I, I think that's that's incredible. What I think has changed over the last handful of years is the old trading adage, the trend is your friend. The trend in our space is is massively moving to the independent space. I mean, if you look at Fidelity did a benchmarking study last year and 50% of advisors are either thinking of making a move or actually in motion of moving, right? Not that everybody's obviously going to move around 20%, I think roughly are, are actively looking to move, but we're just seeing a massive move. And I think that the fact that there's a trend out there, like any good advisor acting as a fiduciary, it is their responsibility to better understand what the landscape looks like. So it's almost forcing them to stick their head up and really understand, okay, why is this migration happening? What does it mean? And if I were to do it, what impact is that going to have on my clients first and foremost, and then my business, my practice, my employees, so on and so forth. So We're certainly seeing a pretty significant trend. And I think, Matt, you and I have talked about it quite a bit. This independent model has really matured over the years, where a number of years ago, there was another old adage where, you know, independent was for wirehouse advisors, the place to go to die, where it's certainly not that case anymore. And I think the advisors recognize that are coming from more of that W-2 captive model, that all the resources they have at these large organizations, these investment banking, wirehouse type organizations, they can emulate and have even more diversity in terms of the resources that are available on the independent side. So it's really opened up quite a bit. David, Rob mentioned starting from scratch. And obviously you mentioned kind of this, a little nerve wracking, making this move and making this change, but what attracted you to integrate it as you decided to, to make this big shift? Yeah, there are there a lot of things. And, and just one thing that Rob just said, you know, I like to think because I looked at different avenues and I, and I like to think that our the independent space has the resources of those wirehouses that Rob's talking about, but just to be able to maintain our complete independence, right, is a really big differentiator. And that was one of the things also that attracted me to Integrated. I'll start with the people, Paul Sagany and Bill Bodwin and Ray Lucas and John Cataldo and Ann Swartz and, you know, others on the management team. They really just delivered on what they told me they would, just genuine people with high integrity, which is obviously important to a lot of us. Advisors were also really willing to help. Advisors like Peter Gaines, Steve Faberman. And I just felt like uh, I could have complete independence and objectivity while also having a great team behind me. There's a lot of risk in this environment to be hanging your own shingle out there. So I wanted a group that could look out for me and my team from multiple perspectives And basically at IFP, I don't have to worry about anything else other than my clients. And then there's the CPA network, Matt. We're not the only firm that creates CPA relationships, but I believe we execute on these partnerships better than anyone. Rob, is is this typical? Like you said, this is a maturing model. You're no longer kind of moving to independence and living on an island by yourself in your basement or your attic. You are 
this this gives you kind of a much better foundation to build from. But is this typical? Does this kind of a softer landing spot make advisors more comfortable with evolving and changing their business and their trajectory? Yeah, I think David David very eloquently put it. I, I think all the reasons that he just went through are extremely important. The the freedom, the flexibility. One of the big ones is just having a a business model that is essentially conflict uh, conflict free. Going back to that fiduciary standard of care, right, where advisors really are focused, hyper focused. I would argue probably more so today than ever trying to get as close to being on the same side of the table as the client as possible. That's part of the move. And I, I think obviously this trend being her friend, right? Where what, what I think has really accelerated over the last couple of years, year and a half or so is COVID. COVID really highlighted some of the gaps with some of these other organizations that were not either providing the resources capabilities-wise or human resource, human capital-type resources in order to better support the client base. And I think it just exacerbated and, ex- and ultimately accelerated this migration. The freedom, flexibility, obviously, we want to hit all the check-the-boxes, ethics, values, so on and so forth. But we built a culture that we feel really very, very proud of, and we want to make sure that we continue. And I think the advisors are also looking for that. They want to go into a very kind of entrepreneurial minded or culture that uh, essentially gives them empowerment. And and that's what we're trying to ultimately deliver. But I want to touch on something Rob said earlier, which was that notion of starting from scratch, which I think is a fear that keeps a lot of advisors in a current situation, even if it's a bad situation. Well, the known is better than the unknown. Bring us through that, the unknown. So you get, you start from scratch. What was it like building up the great business you have now? I mean, what was that that process like for you? And how did, how, did, how were you able to do it? It was scary as when I took my time and went through a lot of due diligence and what we're talking about, what's the right model, wirehouse, independent. And, and the themes that we've been talking about really came up of just, again, wanting that, that complete flexibility and independence. You know, you get kind of back to the basics of, of working hard and 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 focused on how to bring in the, the referrals, which leads to the CPA relationships. And it was scary leaving leaving anywhere, leaving for me fidelity to walk out of an office and not know if there were clients were going to follow me because I did have to then you know go from 600 families to zero and, and starting over. Um, and but looking back, you know, I, I knew I wanted the independent channel, and and I knew I wanted ultimately IFP, and no real regrets other than sure I wish I had left a little sooner and just kind of jumped off. But building from six hundred to zero, from six hundred to zero to now to where you're at today, Rob, the platform helps. It's a soft landing, but it also gives you the foundation to build from, right? And this is something you see with a lot of advisors. Most definitely. I, I think once we drive into, you know, dive into, excuse me, real drivers as to why advisors are looking to to make the move, and then we can build out a plan essentially. Step one is a transition. Then what? Right? How do we essentially set that advisor up for success? And I have to hand it to David. David has been a fantastic advocate for integrated and has been very helpful to 
really paint a picture for many advisors that are thinking of making a move as to what it would be like over here and how that's part of it. But it's also how do you leverage the resources of the organization? And I think David has done a wonderful job, not only of of helping advisors understand how to do that, but certainly there's no better model than David Klein for one in which has taken his business to the next level by leveraging the resources and you know the individuals within within the the firm and i think what we're seeing is people come on board and it's almost like they started all over again in terms of the positivity and they're invigorated they're ready to roll they're they're excited it's like i'm in a like a kid in the candy store and ready to really take my business take my practice we talk a lot about this, take the practice and make it into a business. And there's a lot of resources in order for the advisors to do that here. So it, it is great when we hear what you just said a minute ago, David, my only regret is I wish I did it earlier. Love to hear that. It makes my, it makes in terms of my job, I, I feel, I find a lot of fulfillment when I hear something like that. And then I watch these advisors really partner effectively with us to grow. It's incredible success, David. Now that you've kind of been through all this, what's what's the business look like today? And how do you see kind of where things are going to go from here? And I just want to go back a little bit and, and then I'll come to kind of going forward in, in the team. But going back, just other things that I, that I think may be helpful is just thinking about is some of the themes Rob talks about are resources at, at, at IFP. And, but I like to say I just, you know, followed the script, right? I'm not reinventing the wheel here. It's just the model that we have I think, in our planning process is, is second to none. Certainly the team that I work with directly, and this gets into thoughts on where we're going, because it's all with an eye on growth, right? It's most fun working in, you know, in a growth area. That's really where our, our eye is on you know, profitable growth, the right growth. I'd like to say to clients, I just sit with clients and prepare for meetings, and Katrina Pignoni does everything else. She's the CEO of our back office and runs our practice and just does an unbelievable job with our clients. And, and Steve Carrick joined us this year and does an out, you know, outstanding job as well. He runs our investment out analysis and as a CFP. So we work jointly on clients. Partly to your question, Matt, we're looking to expand our operations team all with an eye on growth and working with our CPA partners and those centers of influence to, to grow the practice. But David, what you just said, I think is you're working in the business and on the business. And, and you have articulated that well to a number of advisors that have come on board where there's a ton of resources out there at organizations and, and it's, it's how to effectively leverage those resources. And I remember when I first came on board here at Integrated five years ago and you and I spoke, you told me that you ultimately decided to follow the roadmap that... Paul and other Paul Sagany and others have have built over time. It's a time tested model, and embraced it. and And I see that you continue to you know as your business has been evolving, you also are evolving. You took that roadmap, and I'd say you put it on steroids because now you're hyper focused on main, finding efficiencies within your practice and allocating resources properly so you can focus on say a, a certain subset of clients and then bring in other advisors to focus on other areas and you're tightening up your business as you go which is that that to me is one of those missing ingredients that a lot of advisors don't focus on enough where they're trying to you know find those resources support clients but they're not tending to the store well enough and I think you do a wonderful job of not only doing that, 
but articulating that back to advisors. I appreciate that, Rob. And, you know, I just feel, again, very fortunate to have a great team. But the part of that I love, as you said, you know, running, working on the business and in the business, to me, then it's about I, I do every year a five year plan, an annual plan, and then a 90 day plan and share with the team every quarter. Here's the, the 90 day plan, right? Here are the initiatives that we want to accomplish. Here's, you know, with an eye on the, the goals for our practice, because we, we've set that. And there's just something magical, I think, that happens when you set that annual plan, five-year plan, just somehow they come true, right? Because you've been thoughtful and thought through those things that are going to get you there. It's not just, hey, here's a number I want to get to in five years, but I have no idea how to get there. Yeah. It's like you're you're building again. You, you had a practice, now you're building a business. And what we talk a lot about, and you're, again, you're executing on it, is it's not just about a book of business. You're running something bigger and it appears your team has embraced that, that you're, it's a bigger cause and, and you keep that North Star focused on the North Star, which is a huge, huge deal. And a lot of advisors don't do that. Yeah, I think it's, it's really important to obviously involve the whole team on that annual plan, the 90 day plan every quarter and just keep coming back to it. And then there's course corrections on the way, right? Just like our clients' lives change, you know, our, our business may change and maybe something that, you know, things that pop up, but then you're more able to make those course corrections. David, with hindsight being 2020, you've been through this process. You've been here at Integrated for eight years. You said already you would have left sooner. What's your advice to other advisors that maybe are considering making a move and maybe have uh, stalled a little bit? Same thing like we tell our clients. I think it comes down to their goals. Do you want more independence and freedom and what you can do for your clients? Do you want more flexibility in how you run your business? not to mention your lifestyle. And for me, I just didn't want some company telling me how to run my business. And I felt a ceiling above me, which limited my growth. For those folks that want those things and that growth potential, but also want the infrastructure that IFP provides to support and guide them along the way, just if IFP is a phenomenal place. That's what it's all about. I always save my last question for my son, CJ. He's 10. And I told him about both of you guys. And of course, that you were both Red Sox fans. CJ is an Oriole fan like his father, which really feels like the cruelest thing I've ever done to a child. And I had to put his cat to sleep this week. So it's been a tough week here at the Ackerman House. Anyway, CJ asked, how do you become Red Sox fans? I'm forced to be an Oriole fan because my dad is an Oriole fan. If either of you take me to Fenway, I'd probably switch teams. Anyway, okay. How did you become Red Sox fans? I'm going to leave the rest of that out. I swear to God, those are the words of my 10-year-old son. How did you become a Red Sox fan? I love it, CJ. And, and baseball has been in my family for a long time, too. And my kids are similar ages as, as CJ. And my kids, of course, don't remember this, but the Sox were, all, were terrible for many years. Like maybe he's feeling these days with the Orioles. I became a Sox fan through my dad as well. And through his dad, who, even though his dad grew up in New Jersey, went to college in UMass. So, so maybe there's hope for CJ if he wants to push allegiances. <laughs> but but uh, all kidding aside, there's nothing better than watching. You see your team suffer for years, but then watching them with your family and become a contender. So I would encourage CJ to stick with those Orioles and just enjoy it with his, his family and his old man. They'll be good again. Last just thought, I was fortunate to take had the pleasure of taking my 10-year-old daughter to Fenway last night. And there really is just something magical about taking in a baseball game with family. Yeah, I agree. Rob, why did you and how did you become a Red Sox fan? 
Well, I mean, David stole my thunder on a lot of that. I, I grew up Jim Rice, Carl Ustremski, Fisk, you name it, the heartbreak. And that's the thing that CJ, he's going through right now. And I mean, it, we obviously turned it around and we've had a number of World Series wins since 2004. But I will tell CJ that I will never forget, Matt, you and I talked about this on a podcast before mm -hmm. in 2004 when we won it all. I and I'm about to do it again. I'm almost coming to tears. It still sticks with me. The just, I mean, complete excitement, finally the relief. And I remember I was on a call with a buddy who, you know, I'm out in California now, but I was in Boston at the time. He was out in California and we were on the phone on all those Yankee Red Sox games. It's two o'clock in the morning on the East Coast and we're, we're on the phone and we were screaming and yelling when they won the whole thing. I had a one-year-old daughter that I woke up when we won the World <laughs> Series so I could keep her in my arms while just to remember that moment. And my wife was yelling at me for that. But it was one of those where... To this day, I am still incredibly emotional about that. And CJ, you got to stick with it, man. As much as I would love for you to be a Red Sox fan, stay with the Orioles. They'll, they'll get good someday. <laughs> someday. Well, to me, the struggle makes it worth it. It makes the victory that much sweeter. Right. I can't imagine, and I would never want, wish upon my worst enemy to be a Yankee fan. I mean, if you win all the time, it it doesn't make it, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, the, the winning loses its luster and I get it. They haven't won since 2009, which is nice. Very nice. They can feel like it. Oh boy. We lasted a whole decade without a championship. I'm like, all right, call me in 30 years when you haven't won a championship, then we can talk. <laughs> anyway, this has been a great conversation, guys. I thank you both so much for joining us on this episode of perfectly integrated. It has been my pleasure. Thank you very much, Matt, as always. Thanks, Matt. That's it for today's episode of Perfectly Integrated. Please continue to follow us online and on social media. As always, I'm your host, Matt Ackerman for Integrated Partners. Content in this material is for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial.